You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 50. Uh, Facebook is definitely not advertising this episode, I can tell you that much. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, welcome everyone to The Local Maximum. I'm your host, Max Sklar. Joining me today, I've got a co-host, Aaron. Are you there? I am here. Good, good evening or morning or afternoon. Wherever, well, whatever this whatever goes time out. it is when you're listening. Yeah, when you're listening. Um, sometimes people, I, I've heard, I think it's like the, that late night show, Coast to Coast AM, where he goes, good evening, good afternoon, or, or, or good morning, depending on where you are in the world. But this is asynchronous. So this could be happening. Um, you know, you could have two people in New York listening at two completely different times. So uh, certainly, uh, certainly the greetings are, why don't we just use, what time is it here uh, on the East Coast right now as we're recording at 1045 at yep. night? All right. So, so good evening, Aaron. How are you doing? <laughs> not, not to go too far down that, that uh, inside baseball rabbit hole, but yeah. do you have stats on, well, I guess, I guess you would have stats on when downloads happen. There's no way to tell when people actually listened to an episode. Uh, yes. Well, when down, da- well, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think there's a correlation there. Um, a lot of news for the podcast as we start the year. Um, I started a, uh, I filed for an S corp for the podcast, hopefully turn this into a little business, not a big one. I'm still going to be going once a week, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what we could do. I did not know that I get an official seal if I, um, if I file for an S corp. So that is, uh, if I knew that, man, I'd be making S corps all the time. Those official seals are awesome. <laughs> Don't you wish you had one? I, I'm jealous. Although being primarily an audio format, I, I, do, do you have an audio equivalent of the seal? Can we can we no. insert some sound effects to that, to that <laughs> I, uh, I, nature? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, yeah. I, oh, was was it Harley Davidson that tried to trademark uh, a sound as, as associated with their brand? What sound? Like Vroom or something? No, I, no. It was it was it was some. Well, Harleys are are. Uh, sometimes referred to as hogs, and so I feel okay. like it was some sort of pig grunt like noise. But they huh. wanted—I th- I think they were trying to get an audio trademark, and I can't remember whether that was laughed out of court or or they were visionaries. Well, uh, if they're tra- oh, companies are <laughs> already trying to get trademark and anything that they can get their hands on. All right, so today we had uh, two choices. One was to talk about all the new technology that's coming out in the next couple of years. And the other one is to talk about how the current incumbents are behaving badly and complain about them. And uh, it sounds like we went with the latter. Yeah, we, we've, we've opted for the uh, less optimistic of the two choices. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I think it's, you want the bad news first, right? And then, well, some of the bad, some of the bad news comes with some good news, but uh, I think, um, some of the more the technology that we're going to see in terms of 5G uh, that we're going to see in 2019, 2020, 2021, that could wait a couple weeks. And so we'll talk about that. But today um, we're going to talk about um, Patreon and, of course, our friends uh, Google and our best friend Microsoft or not Microsoft. Sorry, <laughs> I was just talking. I'm getting confused. Uh, Facebook and uh all the uh, all the bad press they're getting, which should always so, be taken uh, with a grain of salt. Um, re- I'm talking about Microsoft. our greatest hits there. Yeah, well, Microsoft was uh, Microsoft. I'm talking about next week with um, with uh, Avnish Kohli, who's the um, 
product manager on Foursquare Swarm, and we're going to talk all about Swarm. And he used to work at Microsoft, and we haven't really gone into Microsoft a whole lot, so I had a little bit of a conversation on that with him. So that will be, uh, that'll be out next week on The Local Maximum. Looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. All right. So the first story uh, comes with Patreon. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Patreon is this company, and I don't, I don't really use it. I don't use it for this program, and I don't, I haven't, I've supported other people's podcasts, but I've and 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 work, but I have not done it through Patreon. But it's a site where you can go on and sort of give people sort of a monthly donation to whatever they are producing, and that's been like the the. The hit new thing for a while, I would yeah, say, for content. Yeah, it's very producers. popular with with creative types or content creators, um, particularly those who are putting out material at a you know regular basis. So it's so it's ideal for you know podcasters or people making YouTube videos or or things along that that vein. I know uh, a lot of web comic uh, creators use sure. it for that type of yeah. stuff too. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, and and much much like. Uh, Kickstarter uh, kind of built a, a fundraising infrastructure that people can use. It's it's nothing that you couldn't do on your own before, but it's a lot easier if somebody else is running the whole uh, underlying infrastructure, and that's that's what Patreon sure. provides. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, Dave Rubin, who is a he's a comedian and podcaster. Uh, he's very well known. He's one of the one of the most popular podcasts, like Think Joe Rogan or something like that. Uh, I've well, I don't know. He's probably Joe Rogan's the biggest, right? He's probably like an order of magnitude under that, but like the next tier. Um, I, I could get yeah, a lot I, of trouble for saying I don't know what the numbers. Are. <laughs> but anyway, he's pretty big. Yeah, um, and I, I haven't listened to him, but I know the name, so yeah, sure, that, that's an indicator there. Yeah. So he announced at the beginning of the year he was leaving Patreon mainly because of Patreon censorship policy. They banned a podcaster. Uh, at the beginning of the year, known as Sargon of Akkad. Again, I don't, I've heard some of his YouTube videos. I'm not, uh, and I've heard some of his interviews, but I'm not, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I'm not extremely familiar with his work. Um, he used some, um, you know, forbidden language, we should say, and got um, cut off the, uh, cut off the Patreon platform. And it's interesting to note, first of all, that he, he, he said this stuff not on his show but on someone else's show, so not on the show that the people were supporting. And it I read the transcript. It sounded like so he used the N-word, but it sounded like he was going, he was really frustrated with like the alt-right, and so he was hurling it at the Nazis themselves. So really strange sort of a situation, wouldn't you say? Um, but anyway, uh Patreon decided to ban him for that. And um Dave Rubin was himself was never in danger of being deplatformed here, but he is kind of a free speech advocate, I would say, a free speech maximalist. So he decided to do something about it. And uh, he put his own money on the line by saying, by January 15th, uh, we are we are off of it and we're going to figure out what an alternative is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are are talking about making similar moves. It's not unlike when uh, YouTube started demonetizing some channels or locking some. And I, I think one of the big concerns with a lot of people who are making the move now, or at least putting the, the support structure in so that they can make the move is less, oh God, what do I do if they, if they kick me off? Cause you know, there are other ways that you can reach out to your, your, your followers and. Oh um, yeah. But it's so difficult. Do that. But, but yeah, one, it, it's, 
it's tough to make that transition if if you're behind the eight ball and two if you have all of your content uh hosted on that site and you know if if they want to be nice about it they can make you you know invisible to your followers and put a stop on it if they want to be mean about it they can just cut off your access to your material that you created and posted there and if you don't have that backed up independently on your own then then you're locked out and that's what scares they own the terms of service so they it's it's completely legal for them to do that but you it's a smart move to have yourself protected against that even if you don't jump ship immediately and so there there are a number of people who think that either on principle or because they think they might become victim to this are are taking steps along those lines that's what scares me about google docs and i have seen some proposals for kind of like a decentralized version of google docs where you can't be locked out of it because i have some important you know, documents and notes on that thing. Well, all of my um, local Maximum show notes are on Google Docs, right? So um, it's... Um, it's and, and I'm sure I, there's a way you can, you know, dump all of your, your data from the service, but you're not doing that on a regular basis as, you know, a backup to hard drive no, somewhere. No, because I'm not... Uh, the Google Docs has been basically uninterrupted for me for 10 yeah. years, so there's no reason to believe I'm going to be shut out. But there's always that fear, like, what if one day, like, boom, it happens... Um, and I don't know, uh, <laughs> I, maybe that's a misplaced fear, but, um, anyway, he decided to do something about it. And immediately the, uh, uh, Dave Rubin going off of uh, Patreon and immediately the cryptocurrency community kind of flung into action saying, you got to use Bitcoin. You got to use crypto. Um, essentially crypto is Bitcoin. I mean, a lot, you know, I know that people are like, oh, use Bitcoin cash, use some some but let's focus on bitcoin here because it's the main one and that's really what people are talking about um but um i think he was a little hesitant to embrace it at first because he was saying hey i'm sure this is a good idea in the long run but it's not ready right now and he's kind of right about that um but it appears in a recent article from um that uh, that 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 will post on on the show notes page localmaxradio.com slash fifty that he now sees that the payment processors are part of the problem. So I think first he was like, okay, well let's get rid of one middleman, which is Patreon, but we still have the payment processors Visa and Mastercard. Um, I think he's starting to realize that they're part of the censorship problem as well, and so. Now he's like, okay, we need to turn to cryptocurrency. And it's interesting that while he's embracing it, Gab.ai, which I spoke about back in episode 47 as a joke, I said uh, Gab.ai is full of Nazis, just like Tumblr uh, is full of porn. <laughs> um, and and by the way, it's, that's true. But they've been also uh, promoting uh, Bitcoin as free speech money, which is probably pretty smart because it it can't be censored and it is free speech money. Um, and uh, if anyone needs free speech, it's probably Nazis. Or in the case of um, in the case of Sargon, it's uh, somebody arguing against the Nazis that gets so exasperated that they say things that are horrible or <laughs> bad themselves. It's it's so funny to me that that's how it happened. I don't know. It's, yeah. So so uh, there are a couple of things I want to hit on yeah. here. One one is uh, it's it's very concerning that that they are penalizing him for something that was in no way affiliated with the platform. Um, yeah. So so that. I don't want to make a bad analogy here, but it, it would be like getting suspended from school for something you did on the weekend in another town. Uh, right. And and the reason that's a bad analogy is that, that stuff like that 
happens. Uh, but well, if you like beat up another student, but if you like were overheard saying something, yeah. It, it, so so that's that's a little bit infuriating. And again, their terms of service, they can make any rules they want, but it but it seems unfair. Um, yeah, which, which yeah. again. There's, there's no reason it has to be fair. Life isn't fair. I know um, that there are some people who take the position. <laughs> there are some people who take the position that really the only people being banned are, you know, these crazy Nazis. And why should I care about them? Uh, because, you know, it's it's just we're we're fighting against the alt right here and we're fighting against Trump here. And so ban away. And I just that position is becoming less and less tenable by the day. I think yeah. that people are starting to realize that. Um, no, that's not what's going on here. Um, and as I pointed out, what was it in the, I don't know if it was the article we did in Alex Jones, how a lot of this banning is being driven by like these interest groups, like these social media reporters that kind of make a big stink about it. And those are not necessarily the people that I want in charge of this thing. Yeah, I, I don't recall which episode number it was, but I believe we've we've mentioned uh, Hatreon before, which yeah. uh, was, it, it grew out of the same uh impetus um and it had the exact problem that they're talking about in that they they got it set up and they got it running and after a short period of time uh i i don't remember whether it was you know several months or or if they made it to a year uh but the credit card companies who did the payment processing choked that off and they 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 were the ones that that deplatformed the service and so there are ways you can get around that the the most obvious is is to go the crypto route um and and look let's uh, let's be um so I looked into Hatreon. Their their most famous kind of recipient. I don't know if you looked into the individual recipients. Is this guy known as Weave the Hacker, who openly calls for the country to be like purged of all Jews? So his I, I'm no I can't be a friend of his, but <laughs> but I do think this censorship has gone so far, uh, yeah. uh, too far, uh, or, or shouldn't have gone on at all. I mean, it's uh, I guess you could. I don't, well, it so, does take so the, a long way to go. If 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 Patreon was only uh, banning people like that, that would be one thing. But when they go all the way to Sargon, I know that's a problem. So so the other thing that that was mentioned in the article you shared, um, and let me let me just quote it here. It's, yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to put to to focus on because I went on uh, Gab and posted something and immediately got you know contacted by Nazis. Um, I, I looked on it more recently to see if it's changed, and I noticed that there's two tabs. There's a popular tab and a controversial tab. And so when I looked at the controversial tab, that's all Nazis, but the popular tab is uh, just Trumpist, like make America great again, you know, stuff. But, uh, you know, so, so, so there's basically two flavors that you have to choose from now. So they're expanding. Yeah, I- a little off topic from from where I was going to go, but you, you're not going to see too many people uh, gathering on a on a place like Gab AI if they haven't already been either explicitly or implicitly run off of the more mainstream service. Sure, so, sure. So, so you're you're definitely going to see uh, a polarizing effect, even if that's not inherent to the design of the platform. When you um, talk about free speech, like the First Amendment, that wasn't made to protect people who were. Ta- who are professing mainstream opinion. Well, um, yeah, and this certainly. Is, this isn't about the First <laughs> Amendment, I know, but like, it's not, like, you can't say you're for free speech and be like, oh. Uh, well, it, oh. it isn't until it is. Uh, yeah. And, and, and j- join me on a long walk to get there. Yeah. Uh, so, so in, in the article uh, you, you shared with me, there's a, a quote here that, uh, 
so they, they, they talk about Dr. Peterson. Dr. Peterson emphasized throughout the, po- the past month that payment processors, the likes of MasterCard and Visa, should not be censoring the accounts they service based on their political bias. Uh, and, and so that, that raises the question, okay, so let's, let's accept that as, as a statement of fact, just for argument. Uh, is it okay if they censor on other criteria? And if so, what? Um, now, the, uh, yeah, like if- the absolutist position would be that, no, they can't censor on anything. Or or maybe you say, well, they can censor uh, based on criminal activity, but nothing else. Right. So, so there's an interesting discussion to be had there. However, they are uh, corporations, and so they are not explicitly bound by by the First Amendment. Uh, so they, they can set some sort of terms of service or policy. Uh, and, and as long as they are fulfilling their 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 duties as a corporation and acting within the law, then they can censor uh, whatever accounts they they feel are appropriate. Sure, there. but now so, However, so that's a whole discussion. But okay, sorry, go ahead. So 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 the next step from that though is that these uh, these payment processors and the banks with which they are affiliated are not operating in a vacuum. Uh, they are influenced, regulated, and and sometimes uh, their actions are required by the federal government and the state governments. Uh, and so um, there is a documented case of the, uh, the federal government uh, taking action through, um, it, w- it wasn't passing of law or a, uh, a official uh, regulation, uh, but it was a uh, essentially strongly worded letters advising banks and payment processing companies on how they should uh, participate or not participate in commerce with certain companies and types of companies. Uh, and yeah. in this particular case, it was looking at uh, firearms manufacturers, particularly those that, that manufactured uh, and sold uh, certain types of firearms. and, Le- and Legal firearms, the, I assume. Yes. And the federal government was basically saying, we would strongly suggest that you do not provide uh, financial services in the terms of business loans, uh, credit card processing, or anything along those lines to these types of companies. Uh, and so that uh, arguably borders on the uh, the government infringing, uh, pressuring companies to infringe on the ability of legal businesses to to conduct their business. Yeah, they've been doing uh, and, this for a long time. And and if if they do, you know, if if they did that uh, to a uh, a journalism outfit, if if someone came along and said, uh, yeah. I don't think that uh, insert bank name here should be uh, providing uh, payroll processing services to the Washington Post because they've said some things that we don't agree with and, and we feel that they're being un-American. People would be up in arms. Sure, uh, sure. You know, there would be pitchforks and in in torches in the street. Uh, and, and this may not be to that level, but is it that dissimilar? I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, so a couple points to make, and then and then the the main point, or actually one. Yeah, one n- point. now that I pushed you down the slippery slope. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, um, man, do, do you remember back when like net neutrality, uh, when um, Trump's FCC kind of overturned the net neutrality rules? Well, I'm I'm told we like, just recently celebrated one year without net neutrality. Uh, yes. and the internet has not withered and died. Well, but I, man, I they laid the propaganda on thick with that one, and I remember well, I, one of the, the hold on, the hold on, my point. Show... The point I was go, making go ahead. The, is that one of the main arguments I heard was that without net neutrality, these um, these internet backbone uh, carriers are going to start discriminating 
against people with certain political views. Like that was the main argument. And by the way, this argument was put forth by companies like Google and Facebook, which we'll get to in a second. So it is, uh, it just illustrates the point how the, um, I feel like there's one group of people who are accusing another group of doing what the first group is doing. And the second point is that Bitcoin is free speech money. It can't be shut down. It can be tracked. So like, you know, that might give uh, the ability to, to tax it or, you know, track down criminals who use it or whatever, but it can't be halted. It can't be, um, it can't be frozen. So, uh, it is free speech money, and all this discussion about what's the responsibility of a private company, what if a government comes in and tells them you know, who they could do business with, what if blah, 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 blah. All of that in the next 10 years is just going to become kind of a moot point. It's going to become like it, it's as much of um, it's <laughs> it's it's like. It, it, it's not going to matter as much as people think it is, which is uh, crazy. To I think certainly about. hope so. Yeah, because because yeah. the classic market argument would be, well, if these credit card companies uh, refuse to process it, then somebody will start their own credit card company that will. And but but in the current uh, regulatory, political, economic situation, that's that's not a realistic expectation. It, it's never the same. It's that model is never. Exactly true. It's never like someone starts the same credit card company. Because if you start the same credit card company, you evolve into the same thing that the other ones are. You start, it's someone does something completely different and uh, sneaks around the whole system. And that's exactly what this cryptocurrency is doing. Yeah, with the barriers to entry, you're not... You're not going to start a new taxi company and and compete with taxi companies. You're going to start an Uber and, you know... Work around the regulations to yep. create something new and disruptive. And now there's talk of disrupting Uber, Uber, and, you know, <laughs> uh, so on and so forth. So, with uh, some of the former, with some of the people on Patreon uh, moving to Bitcoin so, and crypto, so they haven't announced yet what this new platform service, no, whatever it's going to be, is called. So, no, but so for now, we can call it the Uber of Patreons. Yeah, yeah, he's still he's still figuring it out uh, with Gab supporting cryptocurrency and with certain other currencies, you know, uh, around the world failing and crypto being adopted. I think it's just a matter of time uh, before this stuff starts to uh, take off more and more. And I know that some people uh, in this audience hold Bitcoin and they hold cryptocurrency. Um, and, uh, it, 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 people, w- when you have a small amount, it's okay to just put it on a wallet on your phone. But, uh, if you have a large amount and you want to hold the keys yourself, I would highly recommend that you get a hardware wallet to do that. And one of the best hardware wallets is the Trezor hardware wallet. And if you go to localmaxradio.com slash 50, I have an affiliate link for you to buy the Trezor and start it out. Um, it's essentially a small computer very hard to, uh, like, almost indestructible that exists, um, you know, that, that you know, it has no internet connection, so you can't hack into it, and that uh, you kind of plug that in through USBs to make your transactions, and then you can have a piece of paper elsewhere with the seeds, so if you lose that or that gets destroyed, you can always regenerate it. And so the Trezor hardware uh, wallet is really the best way to hold large amount of this cryptocurrency. And so check it out, localmaxradio.com slash 50 for the affiliate link. How was my first affiliate uh, <laughs> pitch, Aaron? Oh, by the way, I, I use one myself. So yeah, go ahead. 
I'm, I'm going to have to look into that in more detail. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you will assist me with that. Yeah. Um, the, all this talk of, of uh, crypto and, and, and wallets has, has actually made me think of a, a possibly a future topic. But, uh, you know, I... I am completely uh, adapted to kind of a cashless uh, existence um, where, where I do everything with credit cards or, or you know, quick pay through, through one of my devices. Uh, but I don't know a good way to do that with, with cryptocurrencies yet. And, and I don't know if the infrastructure is there to make it as, as quote unquote, seamless uh, for, for everyday purchases or, or if there needs to be some development there. But that's something that uh, it, I certainly would be interested in hearing about. Uh, hearing more about and and maybe some of our other listeners too. Well, we'll continue to uh, to do some research on this and uh, continue to talk about it. Uh, Facebook is definitely not advertising this episode. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, in particular our last episode is Facebook culture described as cult light. But before we get into that update on um, you know, I got a lot of feedback when talking to Miriam about the uh, about the about Google and about the James Demore episode um, where he came out with that that memo that was um, very upsetting to a lot of people, and then he ended up getting fired. Um, so an anonymous person ended up going on Reddit recently, um, and he seems pretty credible, could be a, could be a woman, uh, uh, seems pretty credible and said, uh, I helped Google screw over James Damore. And it's... Um, it's very interesting that, uh, you know, someone who's obviously probably a little higher up in Google, although some of this, everything on Reddit kind of needs to be taken with a grain of salt, uh, sort of says that there was, uh, well, he sort of describes what was going on inside the company as this was happening. I think that the key paragraph is the second paragraph from this person. Um, Unfortunately, the memo started spreading within the company. The floodgates opened, and previously silent employees started talking to quell dissent. We told executives to write their employees condemning the memo. Uh, we manipulated our internal meme gem to bias the ratings towards anti-Demore posts. The head of meme gen is an ally to diversity cause. So meme gen, you know what a meme generator is online, where you can actually create a meme uh, yourself, which is very useful to do. Sure. I should do more... Uh, uh, to the show. So companies have internal <laughs> meme gens. Like when you have a fun company, uh, you have internal meme gens, I guess. And you could create your own memes within the company and send them back and forth internally. Um, we don't have one at Foursquare, but we do have, and I will talk about this next week, we have uh, lots of internal uh, Foursquare-only emojis in Slack. So, um, But that's the kind of... The, we don't use emojis to like send each other upsetting political messages it's only for fun <laughs> um so and when we want to send memes we use uh um uh, or, or no we send each other gifts we use giphy.com very uh very connected to to force do, do, do you send gifts or gifs i i call them gifts <laughs> i don't know um okay and uh and and to continue on google gave every manager talking points on what to tell their reports the people that, that report to them about the memo in all our communications we concentrate on how hurt employees purportedly were and diverted attention from google's discriminatory employment practices and political hegemony. uh never mind the science so this has gone way beyond immediately gone way beyond the stuff that he was actually talking about in the memo that is no longer relevant no one wants to talk about that um and it really just becomes about man, a company just trying to uh, squash something and almost making it worse because I, I, you know, I don't know what they were trying to achieve here. It, it sounded like, 
when I spoke to Miriam, it sounded, and again, that's just my one conversation. It sounded like people saw it, they were angry by it, but they were like, okay, I'm going to move on with my day. Um, but by making this kind of an all hands, unless there was like a internal rumbling that was like um, kind of like a, a mob coming from certain sectors, um, it sounded like they kind of let this pass. Well, that's an interesting uh, point of view, but that's not what we're doing. So uh, thanks very much, James. Go back to your work. You know, um, it sounded like they really couldn't uh, uh, couldn't do that or decided not to do that. Um, yeah, well, it, it's it's hard to judge whether they overreacted or or if their reaction was was uh, exactly proportional. But but it does sound like you know this his his memo uh, was was passed up through the regular channels, and and when he didn't get the reaction he was hoping for from that 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 it was circulating internally. And so there there must have been some internal upwelling. Now whether it was an in, internal upwelling uh, potentially in support of it that they felt they needed to put down or it was an upwelling of people who were who were offended and they felt that it was negatively affecting morale that way and they needed to take, take action they they it certainly seems that they they were afraid of where this was going and they needed to to try and at least redirect it if not squash it uh, and right it, it, from from one aspect it certainly looks like they they kind of strice and affected it that uh, yeah and and I don't know how the timeline works out in terms of well uh, did, did their when Sat uh, um, when um, uh, what's the name of the uh, CEO I forgot his name um, <laughs> oh my god I'm drawing a blank here <laughs> it's not Pachai is it yes yes Sundar Pachai I was about to say Satya Nadella because I was just talking about Microsoft today man I'm getting real confused about Microsoft okay when Sundar <laughs> Pachai said. Um, you know, uh, fired him. I believe there was already kind of like a chorus of people saying to do it, but he could have just said, we're not doing it and we're moving on. Um, and everybody just stopped this. But, um, I don't know that, that I don't know what that would have led to if he made that decision. Yeah. Well, and, and this, the whole incident can certainly be painted as once they decided that they, they needed to squash this, they, you know, okay, we, we need to de-emphasize the content of the memo and emphasize how he's a bad person and he does a bad job and and you know uh, p- paint the messenger not the message uh, and 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 it sounds like you, you can certainly write the story that way. Uh, it's unclear in terms of the timeline and and how things are presented whether that was the driver or if that's just a you know a distorted lens look at it. Right. He, they, he also claims they spied on his computer and phone, um, the Google-issued ones, I assume. Yeah, my, my initial reaction was, well, if that was his company phone, yeah, that's that's a crummy thing for them to do, but it's 100% what I would expect. But they, um, I, I think that's what and, it was. And that's, I think that's what the, the follow-up comments tend to suggest. Yeah. Uh, but it's not out of the question that they could have gone a step beyond that. And if they had, that would be very concerning. Well, Again, not, not that I know that... There's yeah. anything we can do to determine that, or if they did, what are we going to do about it? But from the information I got from uh, Miriam last time, it sounded like it would be very difficult for them to uh, look into um, his personal stuff. Although who knows if there are any backdoors that the people high up have? Um, but I, I, I think probably not. Um, although I do know a lot of former Google people at Foursquare, and they tell me. I'll do outside stuff on my Foursquare laptop, but when I was at Google, 
Never. Hmm. You know, their their big brother is watching. So I I don't know if I would be able to work in an environment like that. Yeah. Well, and and I have a a work phone and a personal phone, but I've I've already broken kind of the. Uh, the cardinal rule there that I've cross-linked some accounts there just because it makes things easier and convenient. And sure. particularly when I'm traveling internationally, my phone doesn't have an international plan, but my work phone does. Right. Uh, so, so, but, but that means that now my company, their IT department can look into all that stuff that I've cross-linked there. And so I've given up some of my privacy when I probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Why'd you do that, Aaron? Seriously. <laughs> um, because convenience trumps security <laughs> nine times out of 10. No, more does. than nine times out of 10. Every single time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So you asked the question, um, how much of this was rogue elements in management trying to control the situation? Yeah. And, and let, let me clarify was, that because yeah. I, I rogue elements maybe paints the wrong picture, but it, it almost seems like... Uh, well, I guess there are two scenarios. One that there's there's kind of an internal policy that was laid out that that already kind of pretty much aligned that you know if if this type of things happens, this is how we have to react. Versus this kind of blew up in their face and they said, okay, we need to do anything within our power to to make this stop to 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 get this under control. And so they kind of went beyond uh, their perhaps their their principles and their guidelines a little bit to solve this problem because when you have a huge problem you're you're willing to throw anything at it to fix it. Yeah, well, another thing that I found out from episode uh, 45 was that there is an activist culture at Google and I wonder if some of those internal like political activists kind of put flame on the fire and maybe it's not a good idea to tell people that their political beliefs should come into work. I don't want to have a workplace where it's like, you're not allowed to say anything political, but like, it's probably not a good idea to say that, you know, no, you could do your political activism at work. That's a perfectly acceptable thing to do in our company. Um, and then all of a sudden you get these warring factions who are supposed to be working together to try to fulfill the mission of Google, which might not be so great, but that's what it is. Um, and instead, you have these ulterior motives that come up that that causes these kinds of conflicts. Yeah, it's it's hard to to know where that line should be drawn because, like you said, you don't want to have a blanket you know ban on on anything political or activist related because that's that's definitely stifling. No, no, but they. But you encouraged. don't want to invite that in in and and foster it when it could potentially. It's it's either going to they encouraged it uh, cause a a. Uh, a, a polarizing effect in the workplace where only a certain type of people are there, or it's going to cause, you know, huge conflict to blow up because you've got people who are activists, but not necessarily uh, aligned on what they're uh, but I, I feel like No, advocating. Right, right, for. right. I, I feel like there were some people who were thinking not what's good for Google, but what's good for my cause internally. And that's well, right. And and not everybody is going to be you know, a company man or a company woman. No, I wouldn't recommend and, that. And think about it that way. I, but I also wouldn't recommend bringing your personal causes into the workplace in that way. Like I would recommend writing about it, talking about it on Twitter, talking like um, like going door to door, participating in political campaigns outside work is all fine. But so I don't so know. I, I mean, I think would you this want maybe transitions? A more, uh, would you want like a, a missionary coming into your workplace and just start trying to convert you to their religion? No. So why would you want? <laughs> why would you want the political version of that? 
Yeah, well, and I think that transitions uh, well in, into our next topic here, which which kind of gets into ah, um, the how one should or should not conduct oneself in the workplace and how that affects yeah. your uh, your work and your career. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so um, getting into this now, we've talked about Patreon, we talked about Google, now we talk about Facebook again. The except for Patreon, the usual suspects. Um, although this is. In 2018, it was shocking. Now in 2019, it's just it's just amusing. I, so far, I don't know. There's it's there's a lot of 2019 left, um, <laughs> but uh, but so far it's just amusing because you have this horrible article in um, in CNBC about Facebook called "Facebook Culture is Described as Cult-Like." Um, and a couple focus questions that I want to ask before I get into the meat of this article. Obviously, it's an anti-Facebook article. Um, so the first question I want to ask when reading this is. Um, how much of this is true for all large companies and how much of this is specific to Facebook or just Silicon Valley giants? There's obviously kind of a tech bubble where everyone thinks the same way. And this might be um, something that's that's uh, that's common to that, but it might be true at a lot of other companies as well. And then the second focus question, which is similar, is that, look, this is negative press about the company. There have been some nasty things written about Foursquare in the past, uh, usually through Business Insider or Mashable, not CNBC. And I know they weren't true or they were huge exaggerations. Um, There was one article in Mashable in 2015 saying all of the uh, engineers at Foursquare are unhappy and they're leaving. And if any engineer is still there, it's because they haven't found the right job yet. And um, it would be like a source said that... um, Employees at Foursquare are outraged that they're like like upset that the company hasn't been sold yet, and it's like all of this is news to me. I <laughs> like, like who is this anonymous source? It's you know it, it is sort of. Um, and then I know some of the things that have been written about it on Glassdoor from ex-employees who maybe weren't happy um, said some things that were definitely like they, they've talked about X Y Z happened in. Uh, the company meeting, and I was at the company meeting, and I know that's like an embellishment of reality. So there is sort of a, um, there's a sense here that you can't always rely on these types of hit pieces, although I have a feeling that a lot of this is, a lot of this did resonate with me, so I have a feeling that some of this is true, um, but but I do want to put that out there first. Yeah, it's, that that's that's fair, that I, we can't do much more than take it at face value, but uh, they, they've been proven to misrepresent in the past. So Yeah, well, journalists that's, in that's general. That's good to keep in mind. I don't know about CNBC, but uh, right, right, in terms right. of reporting on this sort of thing, I'm sure if you want to look at CNBC's full repertoire, you can. But anyway, um, so, okay, so one of the problems is, and people, I hate this, there's this pressure to feel love at the company. Um and that is a really rough thing because people can sense the difference between happy employees, uh, like forced happiness, and the real thing. Um, well, so so and- there was there was a line in there pretty early on in the article that I, that I saw, and this is this is when I first realized that I was going to be uh, made fairly angry by reading this. Oh, uh, what, um, what made you angry? Because I wasn't so angry. I'm curious to know. Let, tell me. So so. Not to to generalize about generations, but well, nowhere in this article do they use the 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 term millennial or or you know phrases about oh millennials are the worst. But all I could think about when I was reading this is 
this this is people who don't understand what it's like to work in a real job <laughs> complaining about what it's like to work in a real job so the the, the first line that that ticked me off was um uh something 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 uh yeah fall in line with their manager's orders and force cor- cordiality with their colleagues so they can advance that if you want to get ahead at work you got to be friendly with the people you work with i mean there there are two paths you yeah. can be you can be a terrible human being and really, really good at your job and still manage to get ahead. I don't or, like those people. Or you can also be good at your job and be decent to the human beings around you, and you're going to get a lot farther. Uh, and so so the outrage that you have to be friendly to the people you work with, I that, that immediately set off red flags. That w- What kind of human beings are these? That that, that has... I mean, that that yeah, alone no, does know. not make a place a cult. Sure. And that's, um, yes, yes, I totally agree with you. Um, but I do want to talk about the feedback system for a minute because there are actual problems with um, the feedback system as they describe it. And it's a common feedback system. It's a peer feedback system. We have them at Foursquare. We had them at Wireless Generation. Um, and you have sort of anonymous people writing in well, so so there, there there are two elements to it one yeah. one isn't mentioned until uh fairly late in the article yeah um that that it was originated uh, at ge and that's that's the whole rackham and stackham philosophy that yeah. basically everybody gets gets ranked and based on your ranking determines you know who gets promotions and who gets raises and yeah. uh, potentially you know at, at some places they've got a policy that you know the bottom five percent all get fired uh, every right. quarter or every year or whatever, uh, and 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 so that's that's a piece of it, but but that that's not necessarily coupled with uh, the peer review process, which it sounds like it is in this case. Yeah, yeah, it is, and the the peer review process can be very frustrating if you're getting negative, um, anonymous uh, feedback from a source where you don't know where. And the person giving anonymous feedback, well, they don't have any costs imposed on themselves, so people can do, have an ulterior motive for doing that. And so that can create a situation uh, that is very frustrating and very uncomfortable and very bad for, for a company culture. Um, you know, I'm trying to think back. Like I received some negative feedback early in my career at Wireless Generation, and A, it was pretty obvious like first your first thought is who said this and then it like becomes pretty obvious who it is <laughs> and then secondly it's just like okay like that person doesn't like me and it must be because they suck so um you know and then that's just how you go about your day and it's just it it's not very helpful and then the fact that you have these charges they say that follow you around because if you get one one uh, half of negative um negative feedback, then your manager, the next, the next feedback cycle around is not like sticking out his, like he has to give someone negative feedback and yeah. Well, and, and and there's definitely inertia to your career, regardless of whether you're on a self uh, or a, a peer assessment uh, process or not. I don't want, uh, you know, it's a very bad idea to have your career tied up in advancement in a single company because, um, this stuff always goes on, and it's better to be entrepreneurial. You don't have to necessarily start your own company, but it's it's. I feel like especially in this time in in tech, you're better off, you know, proving your worth at multiple companies, and um, 
and having your work speak for itself and advancing yeah, that way. You, you have to change. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this also interesting thing where, they're again, they're great on a curve, like you said. So like 5% have to have the bottom. Um, and the grading system is very subjective. And w- one of the problems they have here is that, so there's an objective portion and there's a subjective portion, right? And it sounds like the subjective portion of it is all driven by, uh, you know, uh, political office politics, well, whatever that I, means. I don't think it's intended so, to, but, yeah. but it beces... You know, whatever. I'm sure that they have to justify their ranking if you, with, with if examples you're and losing, details. If you're losing, but, but you, you can't off. combat it. You know, so you you have to take you have to take the the uh, the pure assessments as written to right. be genuine, um, unless they explicitly call something out that's yeah. con, that's contradicted by. Of course, other, it's always the case. Other reviewers, if you're not doing well, it's office politics. If you're doing well, like oh, the subjective system works um, to some <laughs> degree. But I think the the office politics model is not wrong. Um, and then people definitely want to shy away from using the years of experience. So when I spoke to Camille Fournier uh, about management, she said people really did not want to be um, assessed on their years of experience. They really wanted to be on how much they contributed, kind of a meritocracy. But yeah. I feel like there maybe should be some c- components of that where it's like, okay, there's no, um, there's no good way to measure this objectively. So you have a certain number of years of experience, and that will get you so far. Um, but I don't know. Uh, that's just something to think about. And then on the objective side, it gets even worse, um, I think, because objective performance is when they kind of create these um, metrics at the top and the metrics always cause employees to optimize the wrong thing. Like how much product did you ship out uh, and, you know, or how, how, yeah, how many well, things you ship out. And then of course that makes people ship things out early or there, there are they, fields where that yeah. makes sense. Uh, yeah. So if you're in sales, then it's, right. it's real easy to do a, a, a rack em and stack em system. It's, you know, what, what was your quota? Did you hit it? If you exceeded it by how much, and then we rank everybody according. And, 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 you know, if, if you're a salesperson, you could be, you know, the most abrasive, unliked person in the office. But if you are breaking your numbers, you know, you're smashing through them every quarter, you're going to get your bonuses and you're, you know, you, you're going to get uh, ranked and, and potentially promoted along those lines. Sure. If, if you're, uh, you're an engineer com- contributing to a team project, it's a lot harder to quantify. I mean, are you going to say lines of code submitted? Oh, or, that's, that's terrible. Know, divided by number of bugs, uh, you know, that, that, yeah. that you're responsible for or... And you you can try and and quantify all that, but but yeah, like you said, then you're going to get optimizing for some formula that does not necessarily translate into uh, the best interests of of the company mission. Yeah, and a, and a lot of the issues with with engineers is we're always thinking. Not I, I shouldn't say we're always. That's a that's a bad term. But <laughs> engineers often have to think very long term. Like I'm going to write some code that's this is going to be around for several years. Um, I'm going to create some systems that's going to be around for several years, and so we're often in a position where we're fighting for kind of long-term thinking in terms of taking care of the company's assets, which is its code base and database and information and, 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 and patterns and that sort of thing. And if you have all these objective metrics, then that kind of um, behavior is not rewarded, but is punished. 
Um, and it's sort of a situation, like I said, when I was talking last week with uh, uh, Daniele. Uh, did, did you listen to that one yet? Actually, I that, did, yes. Oh, good, because that just came out uh, today, I believe. Yeah, I, I listened to it this morning. Right. It's like over-optimization on things that you can measure. And in the case of engineering, and this happens again and again and again, where engineers are just pushed to doing things quick and dirty. And there's some of that that you want to do, particularly when you're making a new product and trying out new things. But eventually, like, you know, management starts to get greedy and says, well, things, you know, things should, well, like when Facebook started out, right? Move quickly and break things. And that's great when you're starting out and putting out a new product. But then management gets complacent and they sort of think, well, it's cheap to produce things. So we should just produce a ton of things and push them to produce more things harder rather than thinking short term there are long terms so there's a lot of short term thinking going on throughout the industry and it comes up again and again even when you have a situation where it's good it it it, it always seems to devolve back to that very frustrating yeah so on, on the short term versus long term thing i i have i have two thoughts uh, yeah. one they they make the comment that uh because they're they're on a, a half year review cycle uh that that you find, uh, uh, was it, was it uh, the reviews are completed in August and February, so yeah. people end up working you know, overtime and 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 really cranking the product productivity in June and December respectively, uh, and and they and they're complaining about that, and uh, I think specifically about the you know working nights and weekends to impress bosses right before reviews. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. and that's by the way, when you join a company, that's the last thing you want to be doing. Like, it, 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 true. However, uh, any any uh, industry or or profession where where you've got some sort of financial performance me- uh, metric that you're being measured by, yeah, you got to hit those quarterly numbers or those yearly targets. Uh, you're going to get the same thing. People are people are cramming in at the end of the quarter to to get that that last piece that they're missing. Heck, you get it with with police officers that uh, in a system where there's quotas, you know, they're yeah. coming up on the last of the month, and I, I got I got to get out there and get uh, you know x more citations so that I don't get get written up for slacking on the job. Sure. So so that happens. It, Maybe your argument is that well we should do it less frequently so that only happens in December instead of in June and December and and my counter to that would be uh, where I work we're on a yearly review cycle yeah me too and my big complaint about that is yeah I I don't want to go through that process more frequently but if you get you know useful concrete feedback once a year that's not enough to actually make a meaningful sure. difference in your performance. But, but let me and, ask you this. And maybe that doesn't require a full-up review, but I'll, I'll be honest, our mid-year review process is kind of meaningless. Uh, and, let me ask you well, this, Aaron, though. Would you want to be working late nights all of December just to like prove your worth for the entire year? Um, and ha- like that that's not... Nobody would look at that and say, oh, that's healthy. That's the way this should work. Um, nobody, when designing their feedback system, is like... Yeah, and then in December, they're going to do all the work that they're going to be judged on, and they're going to stay late, and then that's how I see this working. Nobody yeah. thinks it. So- I, I, I sympathize with that, but I, I think it's it's a feedback system that they're feeding back into. Uh, not what not feedback mean? in the sense of, of, uh, of management feedback, but, but in, in the sense of uh, control loops here. Yeah, I do want to uh, bring this back to machine learning because we talk about uh, machine learning a lot in that, um, you know, people say machine learning is going to solve all these problems. But uh, like I said, when when you do machine learning, you have to give it an objective function. What are you trying to optimize? And so 
Um, this shows that objective functions are hard. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, you've got to, when you specify an objective function, yes, the machine learns to make those, hit those numbers, but then it turns out to be not exactly what you wanted because the world's more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, so a couple other points here. Um, so, uh, right, when people feel pressure to love the company, that's really not something that I like. I like a more open culture. I really enjoyed, I had a team from 2017 at Foursquare who I really enjoyed because I felt like that was the most emotionally expressive team that I've ever had, and I could feel their ups and downs, and I almost felt like it was more real, like I could trust how they were feeling all the time, um, and, so, and because there were both ups and downs, um, I don't know, I just felt more of a, more of a connection there, and uh, th that was just a point I wanted to make on that. Um, another point was that Facebook has been rated on Glassdoor as the best place to work, number one for many years. Now it's down to seven. I don't know how much that stuff could be trusted. Again, it does sound yeah, like I, a game I had a system. note. Uh, but, in, in, but look, if they're that. brainwashing employees to always say best place to work, best place to work, post us on Glassdoor, that does sort <laughs> of make sense. Well, I, I think there's two things there. One, that all oh, the fall from one to seven, that they, they make it sound like that's, that's a per, per, precipitous slip. But out of how many companies? Hundreds, you know, if, thousands. If, yeah. yeah. If if you're still in the top, you know, point oh 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 one percent of companies, I, I feel like that's a pretty negligible difference. But wait a minute, do you think that's really an objective measure? Because a lot of these companies well, have no, like a hundred people. Objective. Well, but but but, it, but I, how I, else are you going to measure it? Well, a lot of these companies have like a hundred people, and there's no way they're going to get into the top ten, even if everybody said yes. Well, yeah, uh, fair enough. But like, and so of companies in the running. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what that means. Um, and then another problem. Well, that, I, I, yeah. I would say that that drop from first to seventh. There, there are two things that I, I'd take away from that. Maybe yeah. that makes a difference in the ultra tight labor labor market where you're competing with the other uh, cool tech behemoths or or with with new startups in Silicon Valley. And so if 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 somewhere else seems seems to have a, a, a better tech work life balance than then that'll drive people elsewhere. I don't think right. that's super likely. Uh, but but the other piece of that is I, I think a lot of the problems they're having are related to their identity as as like you said this this go fast and break things this cool hip new startup which they were what a decade ago right uh, but they aren't anymore and and along those same line same lines uh, people are expecting the kind of review process and workplace environment uh, that comes in in a Silicon Valley startup, which may be where a lot of these people worked previously or go to after this. Uh, but that's not what Facebook is. Facebook is a, you know, a stock exchange traded megacorp. Yeah. And with that growth comes formal policies and all this kind of, uh, pardon my French, but the, the corporate bullshit uh, that that you you encounter in a, in a place like that. And, you know, I, I've had review processes that were, were similar to this from my first job out of college uh, to, that continue today, perhaps with more or less of a peer review aspect of it. Um, but, but there's a trade-off in that there, too, that they want a more uh, egalitarian workplace and, and, you know, a flatter corporate structure. They want to feel like uh, they're, they're being assessed on, on their actual performance and, and the people around them. And so you trade off having, you know, a single manager who basically determines the trajectory of your entire career at that company to having input from the people around you. 
Yeah. Uh, and of course, they they claim, oh, we, we want to have the opportunity to be our, our authentic self and encourage real dissent. And that's important to them when it comes to criticizing the company. But when uh, the, their coworkers want to provide their authentic self and real dissent about the performance of their colleagues, they're saying, well, that's unfair because I can't because it's anonymous and I can't lash back at that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I recognize that, that, yeah, there's some downsides to it, but but you can't have your cake and eat it, too, here. So. Uh, one more point that they had in the article, which is also very common in a lot of companies, was the frustration with um, the company not practicing what is being preached at the top. And I mention this because this is so, so common. Even I would say it's happened at Foursquare. It's happened at companies that I like, um, usually when it's uh, a, a, a company that I don't like, it's a lot more stark. But the top always <laughs> says, the people on the top always says, we want ideas to come from the bottom up. We want you to speak up. We want to have an open culture. And I believe they always wish it. Like, I would wish it if I were in that position. But it's very difficult to bring it about. They're not always competent in bringing it about. I don't know if I would be in, in bringing it about. But it is, I, I feel like maybe... A, it would help if the people at the top were a little bit more, you know, humble about this is what I would like to see, but it's not always true, and so let's try to. But uh, it's it's I, I'm I, I'm just going to put out there that it might be worse at Facebook, but this is not uncommon either. Have you experienced this, Aaron? Uh, it's 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 across the board. It it does not know language, cultural or or you know national bounds. It, it happens at companies of all size. Uh, we we say we want one thing, and the the moment uh, the response we're getting doesn't align with what we want and expect in, in reality, we tend to lash back at it. It's it's not yeah. a, a unique problem to Facebook. Everyone uh, wants but, to hear, but it's perhaps more yeah. visible there because we like to dump on them. Everyone wants open and honest discussion until they hear something they don't want to hear. Um, but uh, just to um, just to, I, I want open and honest yeah. discussion that confirms my beliefs. Yeah, yeah. If, if you disrupt my priors, then that can't possibly yeah. be open and honest. And if it's discussion. something You're I don't care, if it's something I don't care about, there could be vigorous debate from all sides. Um, oh yeah. But <laughs> but uh, no, just to just to wrap this up, let me give my personal opinion on what I think about Facebook because I think that some of this is true, and like I said, a lot of this is very common at a lot of other companies. But at Facebook, you have a situation where they went from, as you said, startup to um, you know, to stock exchange, megacorp very quickly. Um, they went from idealistic to, um, what should I say, try to like be very, I want to say like squash the little guy, but I'm not talking about squashing other companies, but in, they went from being idealistic in terms of free speech to um, no, this is our uh, our platform, and there are only certain things you could say on it very quickly. And um, I think that the management has never been challenged in this way for many years. And so now it's 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 got to be worse at Facebook and other companies. Yeah. Well, and. and- it's definitely growing pains, and and that doesn't excuse it. That doesn't no, make a solution to stopped, it easier. It's the fact but, that they've they've grown pains, and but it's yeah. also it's also just the fact that this company is not it, it doesn't have a mission anymore. Its mission was to connect everyone, and now its mission seems to be to influence everyone to uh, 
to control everyone and the, it's people aren't going to and people are realizing hey I'm not really liking where what I'm doing here and so now it, it, it's people well, just, I I'd say they're 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 well they're their actual mission is is to keep people engaged and keep them on the platform and they certainly influencing them and manipulating them is one way to maximize that and so I, I don't think that's their their objective but it's the the strongest tool they have in their toolbox yeah well okay uh, I think that's enough bad news for one day <laughs> I think we're gonna move on so there are there is some good news here um, in that you know these are as we head into the last year of the 2010s, um, these companies um, are starting to show cracks in their armor and other systems are coming in to replace them. You have Bitcoin and cryptocurrency replacing uh, Patreon and the, uh, the credit card companies. And um, you're going to start to see alternatives to these social networks and these search giants um, pretty soon. I think the fact that all this stuff is coming to light, where it felt, it, it, I really feel a difference where it felt very frustrating the last couple of years, and now it feels like, oh, these guys are old news. And next week, I'm gonna, uh, you're gonna hear my conversation with Avnish about how Microsoft used to be the company that everyone hated, and they kind of turned things around a little bit too. Um, and uh, we'll see if the same thing can happen, or if these guys will just be completely replaced. But it's a long period. People are gonna have to have patience and uh, hey, you might as well laugh at it as as we go. Although the Facebook one was hard to laugh at because a lot of this stuff hits mm. home. But uh, well, so but, I I don't know if it came up in in your interview about uh, Microsoft, but uh, it, it was mentioned in the article here that this uh, this ranking uh, system uh, and peer review was was quote unquote famously employed at Microsoft un until they stopped in 2013, um, which is when Avnish joined. So very so interesting. He I, said that he kind of witnessed a turnaround. Ah, okay. So I, I, like I said, I, I, I don't know if, if that came up in your discussion, but I'm curious to, to see how it, how it played into the, to the whole, like you said, the turnaround there and, and kind of where they're at. So I'm, I'm eagerly looking forward to listening to that. All right. Wonderful. I'm glad that we didn't get to, um, the, uh, the CES and 5G tech stuff because it's already been an hour. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. And um, remember localmaxradio.com slash 50 to get the show notes for this, plus the link to the Treasure Hardware Wallet if you want to be a part of the crypto revolution. Um, anything else, Aaron? No, that sounds good to me. All right. See you next week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say. You're gonna say.